This is Theocentric, the podcast keeping God at the center of everything for the glory of his kingdom and the good of our culture, because from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. I am your host, Daniel Allen, and welcome to the podcast. I just want to say thank you to everyone who has continued to support the show just by sharing and reposting links and episodes and all of that. Thank you. Keep it up. You're doing a great job. In this episode, we're going to continue our discussion on the attributes of God, and we're going to discuss God's self-existence. But first, a little story. So one day, two little boys are walking down the street and talking to each other, and they're having a really deep conversation. And one little boy looks at the other one and says, yo, who made the trees? And the other little boy said, well, God made the trees. Who else? And then his friend said, well, then who made the sky? And the other little boy said, again, God made it. So then this uh this boy asked, well, if God made all of this. Who made God? So little, the little boy in his wisdom says, well, God made himself. And of course, these are the thoughts that all of us, I think, have at some point in time or another, especially growing up. But unfortunately, that logic is flawed. And in this episode, we're going to talk about why. Um but this is a question that a lot of people have nowadays. They, they want to know where did God come from or who made God? And this question always come up, especially if we're discussing origins and how things came to be. It has the potential to become super philosophical and, you know, you end up thinking in categories that you don't normally think in. However, in this episode, we're going to boil it down and just deal with the one main issue of the question. And that is only nothing can come from nothing. All right. If there is something, there has to be someone to who have made it. Like look down at your feet right now. You might be wearing shoes. If you're at home, you wear socks or chocolates, whatever. The fact of the matter is somebody made that. If you're in a car, somebody had to build your car. If you're listening to this episode on the phone or a device, whatever, it didn't just happen. Someone is behind it. Someone with a mind intelligently put it together in order to put it in your hands. It's the same way with the universe. Everything around us screams of creators as far as you know what we see in the world around us. But when it comes to our universe and the earth itself, people want to run off you know, the edge of this cliff and say, oh, it just happened by itself. Word. So I can look at everything around me, like the house I live in, the car I drive, the chair I'm sitting in and say, oh, yeah, somebody had to make that. But when I look at the cosmos, when I look at the expanse of the sky, when I look at the oceans, I, I'm just supposed to believe that it just happened. I thought we were using logic and reasoning here. All right. So the fact of the matter is only nothing comes from nothing. If you put nothing in a box on Monday and then wait 10 million years and on the first Monday of year 10 million and one, there will still be nothing in that box because nothing comes from nothing. If there is something that proves that there is someone, there is a creator and scripture tells us exactly who that creator is. In Genesis one, one, we read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So when time began in our conception of it, in the beginning, God was already there. All right. That's what the scripture is saying. Now, when time happened, God was already there previous to all of that. But when God decided that he would create and that time started, 
In that beginning, God, who was already existing, created the heavens and the earth. God brought the entire universe into existence. And if God brought the entire universe into existence, then he has to be greater than his creation. So when we talk about God's self-existence, we mean that he is uncreated. We mean that before anything was, he already is. He has been from eternity past and he will be into eternity future. God didn't need a creator because he is the creator. Now that logic follows because in our mind, we, we've kind of reason upward and say, well, okay, if there was a creator for this, well, who created that creator? And then who created that creator? And we can kind of go along this endless timeline until we have to reach a point where we say, okay, there has to be one ultimate superior above all other creators, creator. And that creator is the God of the Bible, the Lord of Israel, the Holy One of the universe. So like I just said a second ago, because things exist, there has to be a creator who is greater than that creation. Um, and that creator has to be the source of all life. He has to be the source of existence. And in John chapter five, verse 26, we read Jesus's words as he says, for as the father has life in himself, he has also granted the son to have life in himself. So that's where all life comes from. It comes from the father who created all things. And it's not that difficult to conceive. I mean, if we're thinking logically about it, then it has to be so. An atheist might say that they would believe in God if they were presented with enough evidence to do so. But that's impossible because they've already conceived in their minds what categories are already excluded and what things can't be. So they're kind of refusing the evidence that's already in front of them, because in all actuality, it takes way more faith to believe in the universe that just spontaneously exploded from nothing than it does to believe in a God who has life in himself and is self-sufficient and self-existent and can create whatever he wants. You know, there are individuals who say that there was a time when nothing existed in the universe. Well, if there was a time when nothing existed, then there should still be nothing. But guess what? We're here. And by the fact that we are here, it proves that there is a God who exists with life in himself. So let's hop into scripture and see what God himself has to say of himself. In Exodus chapter three, Moses is meeting before God at the burning bush. And in verse 14, this is what it says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Moses said, as God, who am I going to tell the people sent me? Like, what am I going to tell them to make them believe me? And God says, tell them the self-existent everlasting one has sent you. The one who has always been, I am, that's who you tell them sent you. And then later on in Exodus chapter six, God, in telling Moses what he's going to do when he delivers the people of Israel from their slavery, this is what he says in Exodus six, starting at verse two, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. 
I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with the great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. In this passage, God has told Moses exactly how he's going to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And notice how he uses his names. You notice what names God gives Moses. He says in verse two that I am the Lord. So this is who I am. We translate that word Lord from the Tetragrammaton or YHWH, and we pronounce it as Yahweh. And Yahweh means the one who causes to be. So whereas in Exodus 3, God revealed to Moses that I am is sending you the one who is, I'm sending you to Israel to deliver them. Now he says, the one who causes to be, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to work these mighty acts. I'm going to perform these miracles. If you were to look up Yahweh and uh, if you were to look up the meaning of it, you would probably see something along the lines of the proper name of God. And the reason Yahweh is more proper than I am is because me and myself, imagine if somebody asked me if I was hungry and I was like, nah, we're not hungry. But I'm one person. I, I can't say we're not hungry because I'm not speaking for anybody else but myself. Now, if I'm amongst a group of people and I'm speaking for everyone, then I can say, yeah, we're not hungry in that situation, saying we would be more proper. So the reason Yahweh is the proper name of God is because we're referring to the one who is who causes things to be. All right. I can't say I am because I am not. God is. So because he is, he can refer to himself as I am. And that seems like a lot. If you need to rewind that, listen to it again, and it makes sense eventually. Um, moving on. So God reveals his, his personal, his covenant name to Moses as Yahweh, the one who causes to be. And he's saying that I'm going to do all of these things. And the reason God revealed his name as such to Moses, because we know in the scriptures, names carry meanings. Names are usually associated with situations surrounding an individual's birth or just a change in their life. For a clear example, think about Jesus before he's born. And Matthew, an angel says to Joseph that Mary is going to have a son and you're going to call him Jesus. He says, because he will save his people. And that name um, Iesus in the Greek or Yeshua in the Hebrew literally means Yahweh will save or Yahweh is salvation. So the names of a person are usually associated with acts that that person has done or a situation surrounded that individual's birth. God here is saying that the one who causes to be Yahweh 
I'm going to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And we see that. And that's why I put the emphasis on spots where it says, I will, I will. God is saying that I'm going to do all of this. But we see at the end of that that section that Israel really did. They weren't trying to hear Moses because they were they've been in slavery for all this time. And so it's like, yeah, well, where's, where's God been? And this brings us to a spot where I kind of want to land this plane for this episode. What does it matter to us that God is self-existent? What does it matter to us that God has all life within himself, that he has created everything? Well, I can think of at least two really simple reasons. The first one is that we can look to God to provide our needs because everything that we need is in him. In Acts chapter 17, Paul, when he's in the Areopagus, basically defending the faith and letting these Athenians know who God is, he says in verses 24 through 25 that the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Also in Job chapter 12, verse 10, Job in replying to one of his friends says, about God in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Jesus says in Matthew chapter six that we shouldn't worry about what we eat, what we drink, because God takes care of the he takes care of the sparrows. Not one of them falls to the ground without apart from his knowledge. He says that God clothes the field with lilies. So if God cares for the birds if he cares for the flowers which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, don't you think that he cares that much more about you? Don't you think that he will take care of all of your needs and provide for you the things that you need? Why would you worry? God has everything we need within himself. The scripture tells us you have not because you ask not. Jesus said, when you seek, you'll find, ask and you receive, knock and the door be open. When we approach God humbly and we present him with our requests and within his will, God is more than gracious and more than glad to provide all of those things that we need. Because he does it for his glory, because he can. And God is jealous for his name. He is jealous for his glory. He will not give his glory to anything or anyone else. So when we look to him to provide what we need, when we don't take matters into our own hands, when we don't lie, when we don't steal, when we don't cheat, but we trust him. When we put our faith in him and believe that he is and that he will provide, that he will save man, God loves that. And he's more than gracious enough to give us exactly what we need. And beyond that, he often blesses us beyond what we ask for. So that's the first point. Because God is, because he's from all eternity has been and has life in himself, we can trust him to provide the things that we need in our life. Those are little things to God. We don't have to worry there. The second point, now close on this, because God is eternal, because he has life in himself, because he is self-existent, he is worthy of our trust. Just like the children of Israel, when Moses told them that Yahweh, 
is going to deliver them. They didn't believe it. They said, we've been here 400 years and where's God been in that time? They weren't trying to hear Moses say that. But once those plagues got popping, once they were at the Red Sea and they saw it split, they was like, oh, snap. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I can get with this. Now, eventually they forgot it really quickly and God had to take out a whole generation. But that's another story. Fact of the matter is God did exactly what he said he would do. Although the people of Israel, that first generation out of Egypt, although they were faithless, although they wanted to go back to Egypt, God was still faithful to them. He didn't throw them away. He wanted to. Moses had to intercede for them. But the fact of the matter is God remained faithful to his word. He said he would bring them out and bring them to a promised land. And he did because he has that power in himself. He's the only one who can say exactly what will be. And it happens. A lot of people run around out here decreeing and declaring things. But guess what? They don't have that power in themselves. Yeah, they may be children of the king. But last time I checked, the one who was on the throne is the one who makes the, the decisions. Yes, we can make our requests known to God, but whatever comes to pass is his choice. Let's look at Psalm 90 verses one and two. This is a prayer of Moses and it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place for all generations before the mountains were brought forth or before you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You were God from everlasting in eternity past and to everlasting in eternity future. You are God. You remain. You have been our rock for all generations. You have been our dwelling place. Trust in the Lord because he is secure. He ain't going anywhere. Nobody's going to move him off his throne and he's not going to relinquish power to anybody. He will remain continuously. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 11 through 13 says, I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And I am God. Also, henceforth, I am he. And there is none who can deliver from my hand. I work and who can turn back. God is worthy of our trust because with all the power that he has, with everything that he is, no one can change a decision that he makes. No one can overturn a decision that he made. No one can undo what he has done. So we can trust in him. We can trust in his promises. We can trust in his word because he's not going anywhere. He has been. He will continue to be. He holds this entire universe together by the word of his power. We have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to worry about as long as our trust is in him. Now, if we trust in ourselves, if we trust in our government, if we trust in family, if we trust in somebody else over there, yeah, then we have something to worry about. But we put our trust in the one who is faithful, the one who has been, the one who will be, the one who has life in himself. That's where we'll be most secure. That's where our trust is most solid. It's in him. So take rest in him, knowing that he takes no sick days. Take rest in God, knowing that he takes no vacation days. Take rest in him, knowing that he's not going to be late because he gets caught up in traffic. He will always be on his throne. You can always go to him and find grace and mercy and help in your time of need. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because God is and he will be. So don't worry. 
Put your faith, put your trust in the one who is eternal. Put your faith, put your trust in the one who will continue to cause life to be. So that'll do it for this one. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you could leave me an email at theocentricpodcast at gmail.com. That's theocentricpodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at theocentricpod. And continue to share the show. Share this episode with a friend, family member. Get the word out. Um, if you're posting on social media, hit it with the hashtag theocentric. I love to see that. And until the next time, whether you eat or drink, whether you work or sleep, do it all to the glory of God. This is Theocentric.